Therapy with My Mom is an educational podcast meant to entertain and provide individual perspectives to our listeners. This podcast is in no way a substitute for professional counseling. If you are in need of mental health services, please reach out to a professional in your area. This podcast may also cover sensitive topics or involve triggering words about death, loss, and trauma. Please use your own discretion when listening to this podcast and consider whether the topic being discussed is something you are ready to fully explore. Welcome to Therapy with My Mom, a podcast hosted by a mother and son who love each other very much. Aw, hi, I'm Julie Barkowskis. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, a certified addictions counselor, as well as a somatic experiencing practitioner. I've been providing therapy on an outpatient basis in my private practice for over 20 years. I'm Ryan Barkowskis, her son and a millennial that was graced with having two parents who are both social workers. This podcast is here to educate our listeners on the various aspects surrounding mental health. Our guests will include individuals who are going to share personal stories on mental health struggles, as well as professionals who can shed light on the array of therapeutic approaches. We hope you enjoy the journey with us. Welcome to our show. So Ryan, good morning. I sent good you a morning, picture. Mom. Did you take a look at that yes. picture I sent you? I took a brief look. Uh, full disclosure, you called me. You sent me this photo, and then you called me. And I was getting ready for our interview today. I was in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. I have a knack of calling people when they're in the bathroom, I do. Yeah, and so <laughs> I didn't get a chance to fully look at it. But I'll read the text, too. It says, good morning, sunshine. I'm setting up. Just found this this morning and thought it was such a cute picture of you. Enjoy. And it's a family photo. We got some uncles and we got grandma. We got some cousins. We got dad. And then in front of everyone taking somewhat reasonably normal photos, I am I am doing quite the face. I'll show it here to our guest. That's <laughs> me. <laughs> Closing my eyes, holding on to my mom, and uh, giving quite a grin. A big smile, real big a smile. Real big too. smile. And everybody else so. is stiff. We're all like, like, like we're all yeah. stiff. Like, we're like, oh, we're all frozen yeah. stiff. And then here he is. So <laughs> evidence how attached I was to my mother and and that I had to, like, show out, you know? I, I, had, to, I had to be a little silly. It was yeah, it was just so cute, like just your little livelihood about you. So, yeah. but yeah, so our audience is getting to know Ryan in in this way. Uh, I'm sorry, guys. Maybe we should post that picture on our um, yeah you know, our thing there, so and people can, can enjoy this. Pause and go look at the Instagram. Yeah, you can you can look at this yeah. yourself. I'm gonna guess that photo is 20 years old. It, yeah, yeah, at least probably yeah, something yeah. around that age. Wow. But you know, actually, you know, you're you've grown up. You're more mature. I have. And, yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. And uh, I'm just I'm just glad that we're on this subject because we're going to be talking about uh, dealing with emotionally immature people today. Mm. Now, yeah. is this an intervention? Is this a confrontation for for one of us? Why did you choose this topic, mom? Um, I chose this topic because, you know, that we deal with this a great deal. Sure. sure. We're going to say relationships. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. Sure. And okay. so I I didn't come by this, you know, uh, you know, in a half-hearted sort of way. I actually attended mm-hmm. 
our guests, uh, one of her uh, trainings. Uh, mm. And I did, I took it online, but uh, so I'm, I have a little bit of exposure to uh, our new guest, which I'm going to introduce to everyone. Um, we have with us today, uh, Lindsay Gibson. Uh, and Lindsay's done uh, several topics and several books. And the one that I got training in before was around dealing with emotionally immature parents. And, mm. uh, but we're also going to be talking about today is dealing with emotionally immature people. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we want to welcome Lindsay. How are you doing there, Lindsay? Hey, Lindsay. Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So, Lindsay, you already got a chance to get to know know us a little better. Um, <laughs> and I was wondering if we could uh, help the audience get to know you a little better. Uh, tell us a little bit about how you got into this work and, uh, you know, how you became passionate around this subject. Yeah. Well, I've been a a clinical psychologist for over 30 years, so I've been doing psychotherapy and psychological testing for uh, pretty much all that time. And I originally got interested in the topic because I was trained in developmental psychology when I first started out in my master's program. Um, That is, you know, everything that we did was filtered through what developmental level psychologically does this person seem to be functioning at? Uh, It wasn't just what are their symptoms, like people are trained now, Um, you know, how do we fit them into the DSM-5? It was how do we understand how they relate to the world through the level of maturity that they have psychologically? So I was really lucky that I got that training um, at such an early age. So everything that I did in my career was filtered through understanding about the person's level of psychological maturity or wholeness. Mm-hmm. Then, um, oh, I don't know, it was uh, probably um, over 10 years ago uh, when I was in a psychotherapy session with someone, they were describing their parent and I was just in a kind of a reflective mood listening to them. And I, it just popped in my head. I thought, wow, he sounds like a five-year-old. Because, you know, I've been mm, yeah, <laughs> hear things yeah. that way. We say and that then, sometimes to people. Like yes, yeah. yes. Um, and so I, at that point, there was sort of like a constellation formed in my mind about everything she had told me about this parent in the past. And it was like, oh, he's emotionally immature. Um, And she's confused because she thinks he's her grown up dad. Uh, She can't understand his behaviors because she thinks he's an adult. Mm So uh, I explained to her what I was thinking and asked her if she thought that fit. And it was like a light bulb went off for her. You know, it, it helped her so much to do this paradigm shift from seeing her dad as this revered uh, but feared authority figure to seeing him as this little boy who was losing it because he wasn't getting his way. So from there, I really started thinking about this in a big way. Um, And I was lucky enough to get a publisher who was also entranced by this idea of emotional immaturity. And yeah, kind of the rest is history. Uh, the first book, Adult Children of Emotionally Mature Parents, has turned out to be phenomenally popular. We have mm-hmm. over 800,000 sales of that book now. Wow. Yeah, so it, it really touched a nerve, apparently. 
It makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah. And now we've we're about to do the fourth book. Is that right on this topic? Yeah, actually, it'll be the fifth book. The book that wow. I just finished is is a guided growth journal, um, okay. and that'll probably be coming out. Um, in the, I think in the spring or fall of 2024. Mm -hmm. Wow. I have to say, I'm impressed that there's so much material to helping people understand that situation, deal with it. And then, you know, this next one is disentangling, right? Like there's a lot of steps to it. Yeah. The one that's out now is disentangling from emotionally immature people where Mm -hmm. I broaden it out a bit to, Mm -hmm. um, extend past just the emotionally mature parents that makes sense Which, it does make a lot of sense especially when we're dealing with like workplace settings for example absolutely yeah. friendships marriages uh, all kinds of interactions um you can once you start thinking this way you begin to pick it up uh wherever it shows itself and unfortunately <laughs> there's a lot of it so it's um you know so then i you know lately i've just started started getting concerned about the direction uh that we're going uh which kind of normalizes emotionally immature behavior mm-hmm. uh and that is you know for me that's a really unfortunate turn because there's there're going to be more and more people who are uh you know made to feel self-doubting and um anxious and depressed because of the way these people treat others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, like all the the feelings and needs that one has is getting discounted because it's getting normalized, right? The mm-hmm. this emotionally immature behavior is nothing, what's wrong with it? It's not a problem and and yet mm-hmm. it really is. Yeah. And, and yeah. The, the unfortunate thing about it is that it makes for great entertainment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I yes. mean, I mean that, you know, in, uh, in the, in the media in the arts, but also in politics. I mean, mm-hmm. when we see conflict or we see people making absurd absolutist comments, we're riveted. It's like, Oh my gosh, you know, what's yeah. he going to say next or what's she going to say next? So it's very entertaining. Um, and our drama, uh, is set up on a lot of uh, emotionally immature patterns because mm. I think we are all, you know, bothered by it. And so we're, we're drawn to, you know, learning how to cope with these things. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, I hope that there will be a turn toward more independent stuff that is a little more uh, emotionally mature too. Mm-hmm. In terms of like, of media, of like popular news media or or general like programming that you think like scripted programming isn't uh, mature enough? Well, ac- across the board, I think that there tends is not not I'm not making an absolutist statement here, um, <laughs> but it it tends to be more toward uh, attracting people through the attention getting style of mm-hmm. the emotionally mm-hmm. immature. Mm-hmm. But you know there are uh many films and tv shows that that you know do pay attention to emotionally mature relationships and they are entertaining and they are fulfilling to watch mm-hmm. or yeah. you have an emotionally immature character who you know over the arc of his uh portrayal finds himself or finds herself again um mm-hmm. and there's a maturing of the character and we love those stories too 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely can appreciate that. I, I've been definitely disturbed by commercials where, you know, parent they'll have a parent lying to a kid and they and they normalize that. And I'm like, how are you normalizing this? This is not okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, you know, so there's yeah. definitely things that I've seen or they're like, you know, having a parent say to the kid, let's lie to mom and blah, blah, blah. I mean, just different things that I think, well, how can we normalize that behavior? But yet commercials are doing yeah. it, so. Yeah, yeah, everything's doing it. I'm I'm curious, of course, the first thing that comes to mind for me is like reality TV, something that like portrays mm. a false sense of reality. Um, That's a really good point. Yeah. And something that like um, this is a, a two parter statement on my end watching it. I get so frustrated. Like yeah. looking at these people making these choices, being like, that's like, that's so immature. That's so selfish. And I end up getting angry, like trying to watch these shows. And there's a part of me that wants to separate and just see it as like silly entertainment value. But the connection or the, you know, the portrayal that this is, this is a human and their lives are affected. The people that they're talking to and interacting with, they're affecting these people. There's like some real consequences to it. It makes me upset when they are so emotionally manipulative or anything like that. I'm yeah. curious, can you handle watching shows like this? Is it homework for you? <laughs> I, 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 I don't yeah. watch them um, yeah. for that very reason that, you know, yeah. uh, there, there was a show on last, not a show. It was a uh, an ad that popped up on the TV for a reality mm-hmm. show. Mm-hmm. And the man says to the woman, um, is there anything I can do for you? And she says, yes, you can die. And to me, that's very upsetting. Mm-hmm. Um, just as, a, you know, I, I didn't watch the whole show. I don't want to watch the show. But the idea that the more shocking and egocentric you can be, the more entertaining it is. Yeah. I think that that ultimately may backfire um, in this program. At least, you know, I'm hoping that it does. <laughs> because that doesn't feel good to anybody it's but there is that shock value so if you're Mm -hmm. um if you're used to having you know a lot a lot of adrenaline and you want to get that dopamine hit yeah the more shocking the you know the more uh aroused you are neurologically but you know i i just think it's it's a trend that is going to you know after a while it's going to be something that because you're going to have to keep being more and more shocking in order for it to keep flying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's what's happening. Yeah. There's like a, a an ongoing experience of being unsettled and yes. at a certain point we have to learn to, to find a way to feel calm. And if we're not connected to our nervous system and knowing that that can continue to happen over and over again, our, mm-hmm. our stress level is just going to get really out of control. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because we're never going to feel safe, right? I mean, that if we get back to the subject of dealing with emotionally immature people, it's about how we're gonna how we're gonna deal with that. Yes, for emotionally immature people, their attitude and approach to life is one of underlying power and control, and they do this not because they're bad people, but because they have to be defensive all the time. I mean they don't have a real secure sense of themselves or Mm -hmm. they don't, um, they don't feel safe 
and plugged in, you know, emotionally to the world. So they have to always be thinking about control and power. Mm -hmm. um, and what we respond to in that is that if we read that as they're being strong, which, you know, most of us want to be strong. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we can, we can idealize that and think that's really cool. Um, that somebody is being that forceful or that mouthy or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. But when you try it in real life, all of us have this and animals have this too. We have this in inborn like uh, radar that picks up on when we're being controlled or when someone is using power on us and we mm -hmm. all resist it. You know, that tells me something about the fundamental nature of the human spirit mm -hmm. that we, we are not uh, designed to be in power relationships and feel normal and good. It feels bad to us. And so, you know, maybe at some point <laughs> this will this will catch on in the culture a little bit, but um, I'm certainly doing my part to try to expose this. I think, yeah, there's definitely a celebrating of real pride and strength and, and the showmanship, right? Um, at the same time, I think it's there's some education of like how you're you're meant to be treated that does help. And I hope that keeps going hand in hand because if you do see someone, you know, showcasing what, what you said, some people might see as strength, you know, what you basically just said is like, it's really insecurity. It's really them just being, yeah, just asserting control over whatever they can. Uh, yeah. So I see that. And if you experience that, hopefully you, you can recognize when it's like, you're like, well, that was hurtful. And I can tell that they're just like, they're not, a considerate person oh okay that's sad they're they're lashing out because they never were shown how to like do this in a mature way and that's just harmful to me yeah. and, mm -hmm. and people like that yeah yeah well said i agree i have a curious question i guess what i'm wondering is if i wanted to have a better understanding of my issue in dealing with an emotionally immature person or how to best effectively deal with an emotionally immature person what might you suggest or ask of us to help us gain some insight? Oh, well, the first thing that needs to be done in, in any kind of psychotherapy or coaching with someone who is dealing with an emotionally mature person is to reconnect them with themselves. That's job number one. That's the most important thing, because I'll guarantee you that if a person has been involved with emotionally immature people, uh, they will have been systematically disconnected from themselves mm -hmm. because the emotionally immature person is so uh, egocentric yeah. that they insist that the other person goes along with what they feel and agrees that they are the most important person in the relationship, which means that your attention should be on them, not on what you're feeling, because what you're feeling, your subjective experience gets in the way of me being the most important person in the relationship. That's how the emotionally immature person thinks. Yeah. So my first question to someone would be, how did that make you feel? Because I want to turn the attention back to themselves. You know, so many times that 
person who's come to me for therapy no longer does that. They don't focus on how it makes them feel. Instead, they think about what the other person feels like, are they mad at me? Um, you know, why don't they understand? What do I need to explain? Uh, how can I get back in their good graces? What do I need to do for them? They obsess over how to repair the relationship mm-hmm. because essentially they're, they're being punished <laughs> or rejected for having tried to be a, a person in that relationship with needs of their own. So I asked them, how did it make them feel? We talk about, we really get very granular. Uh, We ask about, uh, or I ask them about where do you feel it in your body? Uh, What kinds of memories do you have associated with this particular feeling? Uh, And we go into it in a lot of depth so that they begin to get in the habit of asking themselves, how is this making me feel? Um, now they're back in the relationship as a full person. And that's what gets lost over time when you are having to make these adjustments to fit in with the worldview of the emotionally immature person, which is essentially, you know, me first and whatever goes on inside you is an inconvenience and not something that you should be paying attention to. And if you do pay attention to your own feelings, then you are being selfish. And there's a moral component to this that suggests that you're you're being kind of a bad person. Mm-hmm. And that that implication uh, is enough to make the other person back down lots of times, often because they don't see what's happening. They're just yeah. getting these emotional pings right. that move them unconsciously into a position of self-doubt. Right. And once you're doubting yourself or wondering about, gee, was it, was I, was I being selfish or Mm -hmm. maybe I should be more self-sacrificing once they're in that position, you know, it's kind of, they're kind of lost for the moment Mm -hmm. because they don't have any way to ground themselves back in reality. But, you know, the good news is that we all have a way to ground ourselves back in reality. If we will pay attention to our feelings, our reactions and our levels of energy, because when an emotionally immature person makes it all about them and tries to shame or blame you into subordination, there's something in you that will, as I said before, resist that. Doesn't like it, it knows Mm -hmm. it's not fair, Right. And when we can reconnect with that, it will show us the way back into a relationship that will be between two people, an equal relationship. And that, mm-hmm. that's what we're going for. With yeah. that. I think the word selfish needs to maybe be have a good, like healthy replacement because selfish is a loaded word like um, maybe like self-focused, you know, self-informed you need to like we know kind of like the quotes of well if you're going to be in any kind of relationship you want to be you know the best version of yourself you need to be good with yourself first and that's true for any romantic or platonic relationship and so there certainly has to be a level of healthy Mm -hmm. self-focused self-focusedness 
mm-hmm. to to be protecting yourselves, you know, to I be like some, you know, setting these boundaries. <laughs> I love taking care of myself and doing things like according to how I need to do mm-hmm. them. And yeah. I try my best to not feel that guilt for feeling like, oh, well, this is best for me. And that's mm-hmm. like, that's how I make yeah. sure I maintain healthy connections with anybody. If I can do what's right. best for me first. Because if you don't do that over time, uh, it's sort of like truth will out, you know? Mm-hmm. So when you self-sacrifice or you give in to the other person to keep peace in the relationship or to keep a, uh, a good opinion of yourself in them, whenever you do those things, again, there's a part of us that just doesn't dig that. Um, and that will cause uh, tensions down the road on your end because you, again, feel the unfairness of that at some level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even if it's anxiety, like you, you're yeah. just having anxiousness and you can't understand why you're anxious. You know, one of the things that I was, uh, I've recently kind of been working on, I do a lot of uh, somatic work as well, uh, Lindsay, and I, I have, um, I came to this awareness that I never really was taught how to be self-protective. Mm-hmm. Like I, and, and I've, uh, I'm now talking to clients like, you know, we, we really have a right to this self-protective response. And yeah. often we're being taught to override it, especially women were taught to override it. Um, and, and I just think it's interesting now where I'm like, I'm like, that's, you know, like, I'm like, that's online. Like, I get it. I'm like, you know, mm-hmm. you know, you're not talking to me correctly that's not okay. You know, Mm -hmm. and before it might be, I was frozen or I was in shock because, you know, I was just assuming the world would act appropriately. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, this goes all the way back to how, uh, children have been raised, you know, um, uh, over a long, long period of time. And that is that when children, again, with that natural resistance to somebody uh, trying to force them, right? When, when a child does that, lots of times the parent will interpret that self-protective response as a challenge to their authority or a challenge to their power. And if that parent is emotionally immature, they're going to engage in a battle because uh, they get very reactive and very insecure with with any kind of challenge or any kind of unpredictability in the child. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that training that a lot of people have gotten that you're supposed to, uh, you know, knuckle under and, and self-sacrifice, that carries on from childhood into your adult relationships if you've had a parent like that. Yeah, yeah. So how about you, Ryan? Did you have a parent like that? What happened for you? <laughs> well, I'm not currently in therapy individually, so I feel like <laughs> it's not too lingering. Um, no, no. I don't I don't think it comes up yet in parents. I, I think of a lot of examples of friends, uh, mm-hmm. coworkers, acquaintances. I have specific examples that are coming up of like someone I did disentangle from almost some guilt that, you know, kind of lingers there too. That, that feeling of like, you know, they maybe could have used a friend, but it wasn't my responsibility. I didn't feel healthy in, in our enmeshment. Um, so I had to disconnect and um, 
I had a specific thing that was just coming to mind that I, I felt like sharing. And that was like a, a recent example of me asserting my boundary to someone and still the emotions that came up for me during that. Um, and it's someone I had a, a good relationship with, but someone that like we have a very playful kind of uh, antagonistic thing where right? he, he just likes to be very jokey uh, and definitely has a bit of that bravado that he was raised with. And he uh, jokingly like gave me a little slap on the head when I wasn't expecting it. And I had to tell this person, Hey, like, you know, I like talking with you, but like, don't, don't hit me. Don't touch me like that. And, you know, there's still that joking defensiveness when someone hears you setting a boundary and then like having to reestablish that be like, but, but for real, I don't like that. And when you assert yourself in that way, this person and and, any mature enough person will recognize, okay, I'm sorry. I see how that's affected you. Um, but I just remember like the emotions that came up for me as I had to assert myself twice, uh, you know, tears start to come to my eyes because I just feel like I'm being very vulnerable. Uh, but I'm proud of myself. <laughs> but but it's it's tough in that moment. You know, your inner child is like feeling very threatened. And I'm having to be like, hey, please don't hit me. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was that was an interesting experience. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And, you know, um, again, there's so many things that are kind of basically human in us. Like um, if you're, like you said, if your friend had said, oh, you know, man, I'm sorry. Um, you're right. Adeline won't do that again. Then you probably wouldn't have felt so vulnerable um, because it would be message received. You know, you're right. Uh, and you could move on. But if somebody receives that vulnerability, well, it's a statement, but it's it's mm-hmm. so honest that the honesty is what makes it vulnerable. Yeah. Uh, plugged right in with your true self because your true yeah. self really didn't like that. But when they come back with, you know, uh, oh, I was just kidding around or whatever, that's where it moves from vulnerable to shame. Because that other person is acting like, hey, what I did was fine. You have a problem because you're too sensitive. That's mm-hmm. classic emotionally immature uh, yes. reactivity. Yeah. And again, they're not doing it because they're bad people. They're doing it because they have learned, you know, at all costs to defend themselves in every moment um, against anything that would make them feel vulnerable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what has worked for me, and I'm curious to see, you know, what, if you would give us any suggestions, what you give to clients or through the book, but anytime uh, I have any issue to address, it's always going to be from my perspective saying, this is how it's hurt me. Like, but it's affected me. Not, I'm not trying to shame them and saying you're wrong. You got a problem. And then if they are a considerate person, if they still at least have that level of emotional maturity, they hopefully will catch themselves and say, okay, well, you're, you're saying I hurt you and I don't like that. I'm not a hurtful person. And so hopefully that can help them recognize. Yeah. The problem is that if they're emotionally immature, Mm -hmm. their mind works in very black and white terms. So, you know, it's all good. It's all bad. It's right. It's wrong. 
So when you say anything, and I'm, I'm including, you know, like friends, parents, whoever it is that is emotionally immature, if you say anything to them that could be construed as being the least bit, not saying they're wonderful and perfect, mm-hmm. they will take offense at that. Mm-hmm. Because for them, you just said that they're a bad person. Now, what you said was, don't hit me. <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> Uh, but from their standpoint, even that kind of, you know, normal, uh, criticism is experienced as sort of, um, you know, pulling down the whole edifice of their self-esteem. And that's why they come back to try to minimize it. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's very tricky because it, what it means is that if you're going to be in touch with yourself and you're going to be self-protective, even if in these small ways, it means that people are going to, or these kinds of people are going to get offended and mm-hmm. then they're going to try to make you feel bad. So in therapy, we want to, and in the books, because you don't have to be in therapy to, I think, benefit from some of the things in the books. But what we're trying to do is we're trying to educate people about how it works and what to expect so that they don't go into these kind of reflexive emotional responses that really happen in all of us, you know, in response to those kinds of emotionally immature maneuvers. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting because I obviously I think I don't like you, Ryan, but you know, all these ideas or these possibilities exist about conversations that either I've had with a client or uh, about their relationships or my own conversations. I I keep going back to, you know, this awareness of like how much energy it takes to even manage all that, and and how, you know, I'll I'll be trying to interact with someone, and you know, I think we I, I we've interviewed another person about how to deal with unreasonable people, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and you know, it's like. So you're sitting there trying to reason with somebody and you can't get them to reason. And you're like, uh, what am I doing? Why am I spinning my wheels? You know, yeah. and I just that's it's an important piece. So like, how do I deal with that since I can't really reason with them? Yeah. And do you have any suggestions? Yes, I do. Um, the first step is to not expect that reasoning with them is going to get you anywhere. I mean, it doesn't mm-hmm. hurt to try. Um and I always tell people that uh, because, you know, I, I'm I'm not, uh, you know, psychic. I don't know that these people in their family or in their friend group can't change. There's no way for me to know that. So, yes, mm-hmm. you do want to try, you know, to explain or try to get them to see your point of view. But if they just don't do that, they just don't go there. They're not able to go there then there's this whole process of understanding that you're probably going to wear yourself out if you're trying to get them to a point of empathy and um, understanding of your position, because that's a hallmark characteristic of emotional immaturity is a severe lack of empathy and a high level of egocentricity and a low level of self-reflection meaning that their default position is it was somebody else's fault or it's your fault. They don't take responsibility because they don't reflect on their own behavior. 
So if something goes wrong or there's a moment of tension in a relationship, the emotionally mature person is not going to say, gee, did I, did I do something to cause that? Um, well, well, let me think about what I did there. I wonder if I need to change something. No, they're going to say they're being unreasonable. They're being too sensitive. Um, you know, they're trying to control me, whatever it is that they, they say to themselves. So what I advise instead is to think about what it is that you want as an outcome from any interaction. It might be, uh, well, it might be that I want you to understand me. And I, again, say, you know, give it a try. <laughs> but if that doesn't work, what else do you want as an outcome? Well, I guess, you know, I guess, I guess I just want us to, you know, agree to disagree, or I just want them to hear that, no, I'm not coming home for Thanksgiving. Uh, I just want that to be uh, understood. Okay, well, you set your goal mm -hmm. and then you work toward that, toward a goal that could be accomplished. Mm -hmm. And that approach, which has to have a lot of repetition and a lot of you keeping your cool and keeping you know, uh, a fair amount of emotional detachment that can be accomplished if you are very clear with yourself going into the interaction what it is that you want to walk out with but it's probably not going to be you walking out with their understanding your position mm -hmm. yeah that repetition like is well said like basically how i mentioned i had to say it twice you know that that person can minimize and then you have to be like, no, really? So yeah, I can imagine it takes some practice and real fortitude to say, mm -hmm. okay, I worked up the strength to say, here's my position. Here's here's what's happening. And then you have to really like defend it. Yeah. Well, you have to, you have to keep repeating it. Yeah. Because their defenses are so instantaneous. They're so reactive. And so they're just going to keep doing that for a while until they see that you're not going to change your position. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then developmentally, it's like being a parent and consistently yes. setting a boundary and yes. saying no. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And and after after a while, that loses its interest for the child or for the emotionally immature person. It becomes something that they don't want to deal with anymore. Doesn't mean that they're going to agree with you, by the way. <laughs> Doesn't mean that they're going to say, mm -hmm. oh, I understand. I see. I'll never do that again. No, they may not. They may just change the subject or say, well, it's, you know, time for us to get going um, or, you know, dinner's ready or, you know, whatever they might say to get out of it. But it's no fun for them. In other words, it doesn't give them any energy when you are just repeating the thing and staying pretty calm. They're not getting any yeah. juice out of that. And that's, yeah. that's why it's the preferable way to go. I like that. I like that's a, it makes a lot of sense too, about like how much energy I give it that, that fuels something for them in terms of like, I got power and control, but if I'm not feeling that, then they also aren't getting, they're not getting anything out of that either. Right. So, and, and yeah. the, um, you have to remember that the emotionally immature person will outreact you every time. 
um, because they're much more impulsive. They're, they're, they're in, you know, that, that reactivity instinct is so close to the surface with them Mm -hmm. that, you know, it's almost like their reaction time is going to be so much better than yours Mm -hmm. (laughs) because, because if you're halfway emotionally mature, if you have some empathy and you're not totally egocentric, uh, that stuff is going to bother you. Conflict is going to bother you. Tension is going to bother you. It's going to shut you down a little bit at first. You're going to be surprised. Um, And when we go into that, that little momentary shutdown, they're already down the road of reactivity. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's just not, not a fair fight when you try to uh, defend yourself and you get emotionally reactive too. That is something that they excel at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess that would make sense then that I'm not going to sit there and get caught up in that chaos or that reactivity. I'm just going to try to stay within myself about my own truth and what yeah. I know I need to do to take care of me and hold that space for myself in that way. Yeah, beautifully said. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so is there anything else you want to say about the, your book? Anything else you want to add for our listeners here that you think uh, would be Uh, useful? Well, um, I did want to mention something that I think is unique to this uh, last book that came out, the Disentangling book, and that is the format. Um, When we originally started out uh, to do that book, it was supposed to be a workbook. Um, So I'm dutifully trying to write a workbook thinking, oh my gosh, this is the most boring thing I have ever done because it's, you know, workbooks are like, uh, try this or write this, or here's another extra black. Yeah. And, and I, I called my editor and I said, um, you know, this, this is not working. <laughs> I can't, I can't make myself do this. I said, how about if we, if we did it in a way that it was, uh, answering questions that people have about, you know, what is emotional immaturity? How do I deal with it? What about all these other um, topics that, that cause me grief. What if we put those in the form of questions and answers, Mm -hmm. and then we put in some writing exercises and, you know, tips and strategies. What if we put that in there too? So it's kind of workbooky, but it's really going to be something where you can go look up the question that you have and then get a, a succinct answer with some with a couple of exercises and some mm-hmm. tips. Yeah, it and, sounds like a guide. Yeah, and and that was, um, I, I could get behind that. And mm-hmm. so thankfully we all agreed that was the direction to go. So this is kind of a hybrid uh, book. I, I tried to get them to call it a workbook, but New Harbinger has, has very set guidelines about what constitutes mm-hmm. a workbook. And so uh, that's that's what I love about it, because it gets at some really hard questions like, you know, do I have to forgive them? Uh, Is estrangement the answer? You know, these kinds Mm -hmm. of things that really I can't stop thinking about them, even though I've, you know, um, gotten some distance from them. These are things that bedevil people when they're dealing with emotionally immature people. So. I, I like 
that way of uh, giving people a chance to go through the index or go through the book and just find the things that appeal to them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's going into individual therapy. I'm like, I just, I have specific questions and I need, I need to ask somebody these questions. So the fact that you're like, look, I know the questions that you're going to ask they're, they're in this book for you. Like that, that helps so much. Yeah. Yeah. I was, what I was thinking about this and I know this might be a little bit on the the sideline, but I think about how, when I'm working with clients, often they're having a hard time grieving the, the loss of what is, and they keep um, having difficulty coming to terms with that so that that's having, they're having some difficulty finding a way to deal with this situation as it is. And like I said, I know, I appreciate what you said about like, you know, you still should have some hope, you know, you should hopefully still be willing to try to see if that something can happen and improve or be different. And then there's another side of that where I think about like the emotional cutoff that happens with emotionally immature people and clients will say, I don't want to say anything because they won't talk to me for three days, or I don't want to say anything because uh, they're going to be mad at me for a month or whatever. And, and my, and my response is that really is sad. I mean, that really is a loss for you. And it's a loss for you if you don't say anything Mm -hmm. and, and really kind of dealing with that, that, you know, that dichotomy of like, Oh, I can't win for losing no matter what I do. And, and then going back to taking care of yourself because that's what you can do. Yeah. I I was just gonna, just gonna say that Julie, that um, yeah, there is, there is a kind of a way to to cut your losses there. Um, If you um, stay connected to yourself, you've saved one relationship. uh, And the, and the other is such an indicator of, how punitive often that emotionally immature mindset is. And the punitiveness is, you know, now they will say that they're hurt, okay, or that they've been victimized. But that hurt and victimization has a peculiar outcome with them, which is anger, uh, power grab, and to punish you through um, shunning you uh, so that you'll really roast in your own juices, you know, until they decide to come back into the relationship. And that's, that's a typical uh, emotionally immature maneuver. And again, if you understand why they're doing that, that they're so insecure that they have to do this power play um, and they have to win, quote unquote, at all costs, then you have an opportunity to stand apart from that and not get sucked into that dynamic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In many respects, I, you know, I, like you said, power play, but it's like, I'm going to make you feel bad because yeah. I feel bad. Exactly. And, and I'm like, and my, and my response is, I don't feel bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> the, problem, the problem is that that most people will feel bad. I well, I feel bad that they won't talk with me, but I don't think I'm bad, and that's the difference. Yeah, you know? well, that, that, and yeah. that Julie, that's such a good point because yeah. that is a place that you arrive at yeah. through practicing this. You arrive at the point where you're. I think you're seeing. Uh, a version of reality that really holds up. 
it's that you see that this person is engaging in this kind of behavior and it's so it's so punitive and it's so non-empathic and it's so egocentric that you begin to do a paradigm shift in your own mind which says you know this is not kind uh this is not mature this is not uh honoring our past relationship this is just somebody having a, a reaction and making me pay for it. Mm-hmm. And so once you make that shift, that is when you objectively look at the evidence and say to yourself, you know, I'm really not a bad person for wanting to do this thing that was important to me or for <clears throat> holding this boundary that was essential for my well-being. That doesn't make me a bad person. I don't think that's bad at all. Mm-hmm. And when you get to that point, it's so much easier to withstand, you know, the, the kind of, um, you know, punishments that, that the emotionally immature person can try to dole out. So what you're describing is like a perfect example mm-hmm. of where we want people to end up. Yes, I can yeah. feel bad because they're upset. Yeah. But I don't feel like a bad person for having asked exactly. what I needed. Yeah. It sounds like you might be emotionally mature, mom. Well, it also sounds like I've dealt with emotionally immature yes. people. Yeah, it sounds like you've had a lot of practice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that too. So, you should like you should talk to people about this. You should you should like help others. Have you considered that I, before? I, you know, I don't know how I come by it, but I just did. I don't know. You know? So yeah, it's just I natural. just you know, do what I can, wow. you know. Yeah, I do what I can. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if if I might ask you all a question. Of course. I'm just curious. um, Ryan, do you have a memory of a time when your mom showed like really emotionally mature behavior as a parent? Not one time. I can't think of a (laughs) single... Let me uh, let me try to access something specific. Yeah, so mature right now. I just asked because lots of times we we don't have a uh, you know a, a, a file folder in our mind of what emotional maturity looks like or feels like in a relationship. Sure, mm-hmm. sure. I was just I curious. Can, I can think of a few things. There's actually something that comes up for me that I think kind of does apply that someone might think doesn't immediately but i think does and that's um something you know uh something that happened to her that was really really unfortunate in seeing how she dealt with it um and that was being picked up from work or something i think i was yeah i think i was being picked up from work and she was going to recycle or like give properly dispose of like old oil uh and do you know where i'm going with this mom yep she just put her (laughs) hand on her head yes uh she picked me up she's running late there was a cutoff to get this like crude oil or whatever it was to like this gas station where they properly take it and dispose of this and she was trying to hurry up and get there she takes a sharp turn and it spills in the interior of her van and like it's next to me i felt so bad i was like maybe i could have stopped it but like it was so sudden 
and it spilled all over the inside of her car. And then we pull up as this truck is leaving. So we've missed the cutoff and it's painted the inside of her car. It was devastating. And we get home and she just deals with it. Like it sucks. But then she goes about cleaning her car for the next four to five hours, like just getting in there and like seeing and knowing how she dealt with it. We're like, yeah, she did curse. She was obviously very upset in that moment, but it was just an unfortunate situation. I was not lashed out whatsoever. She knew it wasn't my fault. She knew it was just situational annoyance. And we get home. She doesn't expect me to to help her. She's like, I'm just, I just take care of this. And she just cleaned it. And I was like, wow. Like she just set to it right away and just dealt with the situation. That, that always so impressed me. Yeah. Oh, I, that's a beautiful yeah. example. Uh, can I comment on it? Is that okay? Of Julie? course. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel so exposed. <laughs> so it's, a, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Really yeah. I'm, I'm very open here. So it's no problem. Yeah. 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 No, I just, I mean, I, I love to, to ask that question because, mm-hmm. you know, you, 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 you get an example of something that is actually just a beautiful piece of human functioning, you know, it's mm-hmm. just gorgeous because that was an accident. I mean, there, there was stress involved because you, you all were rushing, uh, you know, to get there in time uh oh my gosh what a mess what a difficult Mm -hmm. mess Mm -hmm. and there would be um if if there was uh, a climate of emotional immaturity the first response is uh you know this is somebody's fault like i can't Mm -hmm. believe that guy drove away or ryan i can't believe why you didn't grab that or you know there's always Mm going to be some kind of blame because if you do something wrong and you're emotionally immature, that automatically feels shaming. E- even, mm-hmm. I mean, Julie, you didn't toss the oil in the car, but mm-hmm. if you were emotionally immature and something bad happened like that, you would have a sense that you had somehow caused that. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is very deeply subconscious, but. Mm-hmm. But your response was to show emotion um, with whatever expletives you chose in that particular moment. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> uh, so, you know, so you were expressing it at the situation. You didn't target anybody else. Mm-hmm. You were reality based. It's like, is any of that going to get the oil cleaned up in the car? No, uh, that would be destructive. It would be destructive to Ryan. It would be destructive to your own energy if you were to, you know, sail off in a diatribe against the the truck driver. You were able to accept the reality and then ask yourself, okay, where do we go from here? How do we get to the place where I want it to be, which is the car is cleaned up? And then you proceeded down that reality path as opposed to making it you know, something about something that happened to you that shouldn't have ever happened mm-hmm. to you. No, it's right. like it happened to you. Yeah. yeah. So I, I just, I love that. That's thank you, Ryan, for, and thank you, Julie, for sharing that with me. Yeah. Well, that's the first time I heard that story from Ryan that that was, that it had an impact on you. So I'm just impressed that that it's oil a, experience was a life lesson for a you. Positive. So. 
a core memory. Yeah, you so never I'm know like, when hey. something's gonna be a core memory. Yeah. Yeah. Well, something happened when we went out to California. We had all that mishap. And I remember you saying, I mom, I would have gave up and you didn't give up. And, oh, yeah. and and that was an example of all this adversity we're going through. And I said, Nope, I'm just gonna keep working at this. I'm gonna keep working at this. And yeah, and you and I remember you saying, Mom, I just learned something from you that you know that here I'm going out to California and this is gonna be a really big challenge. And I got, I'm going to, a lot of times, a lot of people do give up in this career Mm -hmm. that you're in, Ryan. And it was, here's my mom showing me how not to give up, how not to give up about all these challenges we're going through, which we're really, you know, it's totally unrelated to the career, but it was really related to us. How do we get to our destination with no air conditioning? (laughs) Yes, obviously, (laughs) this situation, I recognize, I don't, it's funny, I don't remember saying to you, Mom, you really taught me something. I'm glad you you remembered that. Yeah, <laughs> that was really yeah. good for you to yeah. hear too. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. So yeah, it, I just appreciate that. And I and so I'm I appreciate you asking the question too, so that you know I could hear yeah. how that story affected Ryan as well. So Yeah. But uh, you know, this is a great segue here now to just really get into um, helping our listeners know a little bit about the resources here that might be out. Obviously, we know mm-hmm. we've talked a little bit about some of the books that you have here, Lindsay. But also, just um, if there are some other resources that you might suggest or anything else you want to add for our listeners. I know you have a website, and maybe that would be helpful for them to know. Sure. Yeah, they can go to my website. It's uh, Lindsay L I N D S A Y Gibson. P-S-Y-D, com. So it's um, Lindsay Gibson, P-S-Y-D.com. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as far as resources go, uh, you know, this is, this is a, a crazy non-professional thing to say, but there is so much good stuff on YouTube, uh, TikTok, uh, you know, all these uh, outlets where people are talking about basically difficult relationships with difficult people. And they're like little snatches uh, of wisdom. But I have like unfailingly been impressed with the uh, accuracy and the wisdom that is on a lot of those sites. And again, like I say, we have something in us that resonates with the truth. So I think, you know, those, you know, carefully chosen are, are great resources. Um, the, yeah, I, I have to come back to my own books because they are really kind of a, um, an integration of a lot of different books. So, you know, if I were to give uh, like the resources that I use, it's going to kind of fragment out to little pieces of the main ideas. Uh, So, you know, I come back to, if you want to know what I would suggest or how I would think about something, it's really, it's really in those books and it's in the many podcasts that I've done in that kind of thing. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, like I said, attended uh, one of your um, workshops through PESI. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I don't know if you still do that or is that yes. out there for other people to take as well that as professionals that, you know, that's a great resource as well. And I appreciated what I learned from you on that as well. Yeah. Um, oh, and I, I did want to mention, too, that we're um, we've just wrapped up a, a video shoot for a direct to consumer program, uh, kind of like PESI, but it's for anybody. 
um, on the impact of emotionally immature parents on you. And it's a uh, six hour uh, kind of um, mini course that people can sign up for uh, by going to New Harbinger and looking under Praxis, which is P-R-A-X-I-S. That's their video uh, okay. education arm. And that'll be coming out in September. Awesome. Oh. That's really great to have. Appreciate yeah. that. So Ryan, you want to kick off the last question here? Yes. So the final bit of resource or just parting message that we like to ask is, do you have a philosophy a mantra or anything of the like that you would share with us. Uh, this is always a nice way to maybe wrap up some of the themes or if it's something that's kind of separate from what we've talked about, that's great too. Just curious if you have something personally that you'd like to share. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it goes back to um, uh, my first book, which is who you're meant to be. Cause I, the, I actually have three mantras. <laughs> If I can sneak those in here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But the first one is based on the idea of uh, following your energy levels. And that is uh, a main theme in that first book. Mm -hmm. So the first mantra would be um, follow, follow your energy. If my energy is going up, I follow that because it means that it's, it's nourishing me. It's inspiring me. And it's energizing me. And I take that as a truth for me in terms of what I'm going to pursue. Just like I was saying with that, that workbook idea, it's like, mm-hmm. follow your energy, not happening. Uh, hate this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> not my style. Mm-hmm. Uh, so following your energy keeps you connected with that center in yourself that knows kind of what's right for you in this life. So that's the first one. Um, the second one uh, I've had to kind of learn over the years, and that one would be keep at it. Because that to me has been a revelation, uh, especially in writing, but also in, in my career. If you have good energy about something, you know that you were inspired to do it. You know that this is for you. You have to keep at it in order to break through the inevitable obstacles that come up. I mean, there've been so many times when I've wanted to, you know, take that sheaf of papers and throw them in the trash because at eight o'clock at night, I was convinced that I had written drivel. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. I look at it again the next morning. It's like, Oh, this isn't half bad. (laughs) (laughs) So so we, you know, we're a, we're a flux of neurotransmitters and moods and, you know, you have to keep at it. If you've gotten the message from your energy, then you should keep at it. And then the last mantra would be, Oh, well, because when you have gotten the energy hit, when you have kept at it and it still doesn't work out, then I think it's, it's very appropriate to release it. And that, that is where you say, Oh, well, didn't work. Not my time, whatever. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's kind of a, yeah, it's kind of a philosophical releasing of the effort when you become convinced that this is like pushing something uphill. So it's, Follow your energy, keep at it, and oh well, 
<laughs> like that final one yeah those are great well that's awesome i have to I have to tell you that this conversation i think was just profoundly important for all of us to have i, I think that dealing with this subject is a real important topic and something we all need some help with and so i really appreciate uh, all your wisdom and all that you shared and i really think that you shared some really good practical suggestions and sometimes we um we know that our listeners are really hungry for that so i really want to tell you how much i appreciate you sharing those as well and i think you're super i'd love to have you back on again some other time and mm-hmm. uh when you do your next book your next workbook <laughs> we'd be happy to have you back on yeah. oh thank you so much Lindsay, it's been a a great conversation. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have. Oh, absolutely. This has been so much fun. And I have a very close relationship with my son as well. Um, So this was this just I thought, what a cool idea. Yeah, Yeah. Um, we're not close. My mom and I are not. (laughs) This is all an attempt to repair. But one of the repairs is for me, and I'll be honest with you, is that I get to spend more time with my son through the podcast. And that is a wonderful repair. I try to avoid her. Yeah, I duck her calls. (laughs) Being a working mom, I I mean, I told Ryan, I said, I just want more time with you. Yeah. Yeah. That's been been important. So it's been special. Yeah. Yeah. It really has. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you being with us. And I hope you uh, hope. People will really take advantage of uh, the books that you have out and uh, utilize those tools as well. Thank thank you guys for having me. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. So one more time for our listeners, Lindsay Gibson, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y-G-I-B-S-O-N. PsyD is the website, P-S-Y-D.com. Check her out. Check out all of her books on dealing with um, emotionally immature parents, Uh, There's even a book on there for like helping you find your own path and purpose. That's something I might pick up. So Lindsay, thanks once again for being with us. We so enjoyed it and we hope you have a great rest of your day, week, weekend, and everything in front of you. (laughs) And we really appreciate you. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for having me. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 I am so thankful that I have uh, a mother who is emotionally mature. Most of the time. Most of the time. But I can make these jokes. Like I love, you know how much I love just making jokes mm-hmm. and how secure <laughs> we are in our relationship that I can like be like, oh no, like, yeah, we don't talk. I don't, I don't even know this person. And that's funny. <laughs> I'm having a hard time. I think of any moment when she was emotionally yeah. mature. <laughs> I guess I know myself well enough to go, of course, I'm emotionally immature. Yeah, I can be I can be immature, though. I'm not not, I'm not pretending that I'm perfect by any means. Yeah. But uh, but no, I I love this topic. I think it's a great topic. Uh, There's so many people that, you know, we whether it be the individual or me as a professional dealing with clients who are talking about how to deal with this in their families or with their friends or their coworkers. So this is a. And to me, very meaningful topic. I hope our listeners will also appreciate it. Um, is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up here, babes? Um, just I didn't get into this topic so much, but I, I kind of hinted at like 
uh, you know, on the final step of if it's the oh well or you know this latest book mm-hmm. of disentangling this kind of release. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're like you get to this point where like, well, I just have to let go. You know, this person isn't hearing the boundary mm-hmm. or something like that. There can still be guilt. There can still be this lingering feeling. Um, and as good as I am about protecting myself and thinking what's best for me is is best for me. I'll be like, could I have done more? Like, could I have set a boundary somewhere in the middle and still maintained a, a friendship with this person that now I've distanced myself from? There's still questions. There's still mm-hmm. what ifs and, and that kind of feeling afterwards. Um, so that's something that I think you can you still navigate and is going to be expected. Um and it doesn't like plague me too much, but I can see this being something that someone really holds on to and would need, you know, this book and resources to help them feel like, oh, I really need to release this. And mm-hmm. I can't let go of the fact that I feel like I was still being selfish in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that was just I, that was just a thought I had during that. Well, I think that's I think that's a really good remark. I think a lot of people wrestle with what you just said. And I mm-hmm. think I can. I can say that part of that sounds like a grieving process. Like I'm coming to terms with uh, accepting the loss of this. And yeah, and, and I didn't think I had to lose this friend. And yeah, or, like, yeah, how much was it? Or the loss of not loss of the ideal. Like I couldn't get this worked out the way I would have ideally liked it to be worked out. And sure. I, and I have some regrets and if onlys and what if I could have, and you know, all those things that uh, we all go through when we're dealing with, you know, things not, um, happening in the way that we had hoped it to happen. And, um, and also the tough part of, I'm a good person that doesn't like disappointing anybody, or I'm a, I'm a good person who doesn't want someone to be hurt or sad, but I go back to a a handout that I got years ago. and I can't even identify who the author is because I think it was pretty much unknown, but it said, you can't go throughout your life with, um, without hurting or disappointing someone. And that you mm-hmm. can't truly have a relationship with someone uh, by allowing your shoulds to get in the, involved. And so in many respects, I, then if I can't be real in that relationship and there's not a, a genuine ability to set a boundary or to assert that this isn't okay, then there's already a loss. The loss is I can't have a healthy relationship. Yeah. And and so that's my truth. And then, my, and then that's my loss. Um, so I don't know if that makes sense. Uh, and, and I can't fix it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that desire to want to fix it is normal. And I, you know, I've done that for years in my life. I've tried to fix, 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 fix. And then at a certain point I was just like, that's not my responsibility. Yeah. And, and learning to say, no, my responsibility is to be available. If they want to talk, my responsibility is to be open to having a conversation and resolving it. But my responsibility isn't to, to go out and, you know, uh, a response would be is, you know, I, I might say, when you want to talk, let me know. Okay. That might be an example. And then the person says, well, you never called me or you never reached out to me. And I'm like, I, I offer to you that if you want to talk, let me know. And if you choose not to, I'm not taking that responsibility on that. I had to chase you or I had to, you know, be more liable or I had to work twice as hard to get you to have a conversation with me. That's not mutual. That's not reciprocal. And, and I, I, 
I think if we talk about emotionally and mature relationships, they're mutual and reciprocal. Absolutely. They're not, I do a lot of work to make things okay. And I have to make sure you're okay. And I have to keep taking care of you. But, um, you know, that's at the cost of me. Exactly. Exactly. And it's not easy for someone emotionally immature to come and say, okay, I need to talk in a level-headed mm-hmm. way. So that's the, mm-hmm. that has to be growth on their side. That makes for a two-way emotionally mature relationship. Right. Right. And, you know, yeah. she mentioned that people go into that victim role, you know, and then they're the victim. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, we have that, that drama triangle, that victim persecutor rescuer ti- triangle. Yeah. And if I'm not going to get on that triangle, I'm not going to rescue and, yeah. you know, so they go to the victim and then they go to the persecutor role where they're like, oh, you're, I'm going to make you feel bad. And if yeah. you come and rescue me, you know, but I, as I'm rescuing, I'm feeling really crappy because I now feel like the victim. And yeah. so it's just a it's just a triangle I don't want to get on. I'm very yeah. consciously aware of that triangle. Yeah. Yeah. Ever since we we had discussed that and been coming mm-hmm. up more. It's always interesting and great to see us reconnect ideas. Um, yeah. Yeah, they yeah. all kind of overlap. And I think Lindsay is taking some, she mentioned that there's probably several other people that she's worked with that yeah. she's drawing from their knowledge as she's put in that book. Yeah. So, yeah, for, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great talk, Mom. <laughs> well, everybody, I appreciate having this opportunity to share uh, insights and other mm-hmm. parts of this that might be helpful to you all. And Ryan, likewise. Yes. Appreciate, appreciate this, this time. Yes. Sharing this time, sharing that memory. Uh, I hope you enjoyed hearing that that core mm-hmm. memory of mine. And, and that mm-hmm. was informative, positive, truly to see your character. So thank you for talking with me. Thank you for being my mom. And I love you very oh, much. Thank you for being my son. You're welcome. <laughs> Take care, everybody. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Therapy with My Mom. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can best support us by reviewing and downloading the episode on whatever platform you listen on. Tell your family and loved ones about the show, and don't forget to follow and engage with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Therapy with My Mom. You can also email us at therapywithmymom at gmail.com with any topic suggestions or stories you might want to have shared on the show. Great job, Ryan. Thanks, Mom.